Well, there's so much you can preach on on Easter and uh, the crucifixion of Christ. It probably won't take me over two hours to preach it all. <laughs> so I'm not going to preach it all. But it is, it is a, a wonderful time in our life. I was sitting there thinking as they were singing about some religions today are planning on how they can kill somebody where they can go to heaven. And uh, I thought, what a difference in what they believe and what we believe. They believe a lie. We believe the truth. Amen. Jesus taught us that he was a giver of life. He taught us that we ought to be good one to another, to give one another. In fact, I haven't found one single bad commandment that Jesus didn't leave us. Every commandment he gave us was a help and an inspiration to us that we might thoroughly enjoy our reward when we get to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Well, I want to talk to you today a little bit why, why did Jesus come to the earth and... Uh, one guy put it this way, and I heard it many years ago. He said, I owed a debt that I could not pay. He paid a debt that he did not owe. And that's really a good summation of it. I owed a debt that I couldn't pay. Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe. Well, do you realize that we're not only serving a loving God, we're serving a just God. And justice demands that we all die and go to hell. That's what justice means because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So our destiny was hell. We owed a debt that we couldn't pay, and Jesus paid that debt for us. And I'm so thankful for that today. In fact, he, he gave us a, a parable concerning this. And, and it's also a warning to us as well as telling us. It's found in Matthew 18. You may have never looked at it this way. I didn't until I got to reading this week. Matthew 18, verse 23 to 35. He said, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would take an account of his servants. We're going to give an account to God one day. We need to realize that. And when, and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, somewhere in one of my old Bibles, I got, writ, got that written down, but it was way over a million dollars. And he was just like you and I. If we owed a million dollars, we couldn't pay it. And he couldn't pay it. But it's... For much as he had not to pay, the Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Impossible. You know, a lot of people are trying that today. They're trying to pay their debt to God through rules and regulations and if I'll do this and I'll do that and i keep this, what somebody else told me to do, what, it don't work. Let me tell you, 
You're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith and not of works. And neither could this man pay it. Then the Lord, that servant, was moved with compassion and loosened him and forgave him the debt. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Wouldn't it be wonderful if it just kind of ended there? But you know, this is all telling us when we're forgiven what we must do. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought, I missed one, and the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence, very small amount of money, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that that I owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. But he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, that they were very sorry, and came and told unto the Lord all that was done, and, the Lord, and his Lord after that he had called him, said to him, O thy wicked servant, I forgave thee all thy debt because thou desirest me. Should not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wrought and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. And I know we use this parable in a lot of different ways, but it also tells us that we had a debt that we couldn't pay. Our sins were so great. I thought about my sins before I got saved. I got saved at 18. I started to tell you some of them, but I decided I wouldn't. But... Uh, they were terrible. They were awful. It wasn't just one time or five times, but hundreds of times. And the Lord saved me and forgave me all of those debts, those sins that I had stacked up against me. And I tell you, he's forgiven me since then. Because I want you to know the blood of Jesus is just not a one-time deal. Him going to the cross meant that he loved us and that God loved us and that he'd forgive us for our sins. There's some things we have to do to be saved. Amen. We've got to confess our sins to him. We've got to admit who we are. We've got to admit our debt like this first man did. We have to ask for the mercies of God in our life. And he's a good God and he'll do it. But Jesus came to the earth for one thing, and that was to go to the cross to pay the penalty of debt, death that we owed, that we might be saved from it. I, I've heard songs said how the devil rejoiced because Jesus was on the cross. I've heard preachers preach about it. Well, I, I just kind of beg your pardon because I want to tell you, hell was quiet those three days as they ever have been. They tried to kill him any other way except going to the cross because it was prophesied. The crowd tried to kill him. They tried to push him off a cliff. I'd done a lot of things trying to kill him to keep him from the cross. 
But thank God he went to the cross. He fulfilled every scripture in the Old Testament, every one of them, Amen. concerning what would happen. There are seven things that Jesus said on the cross. I just want to touch them briefly. The first thing he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This tells me that the spirit of forgiveness is found at the cross. He could have called 12 legions of angels, and what I've studied, that 72,000 angels he could have called. And I read in the Old Testament where one angel killed 180 men that were making war against Israel in one night. One angel. Think about what 72,000 could have done. He told Peter, Peter, don't you know, put your sword up, don't you know that right now I could ask the Father for 12 legions of angels and he would give it to me? But no, he came for a purpose and he willingly died on the cross. Then another thing that breaks my heart that he said, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want you to know he was there all along. When we get in trouble, we have problems. We call on God. God comes to our rescue. He has always me. I may have to change a few things, but he's always come. But Jesus realized that the Father wasn't even with him. And there's a reason. God forsook him where he would not have to forsake us. And another reason is that God couldn't look at sin and the sins of the whole world. Every sin from Adam to every sin to the last man that will be born on this earth was placed on Jesus Christ. He bore our sins. I don't understand sometimes why we can't grasp that. The third thing he said to the thief on the cross, there was two, one on the left hand, one on the right hand. The one on the left was saying things to Jesus. Why don't you, why don't you come down from the cross? Get us off the cross. See, a lot of people just want to use Jesus to continue to do the same old things they've always been doing. But it doesn't work that way. But the thief on the right rebuked him and said, Don't you know we're justly condemned? But this man has done nothing wrong. And he turned to Jesus and he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I want you to note some things because I'm going to have to say, I'm going to talk on some other things. But he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, today, today, thy shall be with me in paradise. Today, thy shall be with me in paradise. You know, there's a place called paradise. There was a place called Paradise. And he said to Mary, woman, behold thy son, speaking of John. And to John he said, behold thy mother. 
And from that day forward, John took Mary into his house and looked after Mary. But there's, there's something a little bit greater than this because he didn't say mother. He said woman. Now, Mary was blessed to bear Jesus Christ. Just read how rejoiceful she was. The Holy Spirit came on her. Just great things. But I'm here to tell you that we find Mary in the upper room seeking for the same baptism of the Holy Spirit that the 120 was. Even though Mary is blessed among women, we don't pray to Mary. We don't pray to apostles. We have one mediator between man and God, and that man is Christ Jesus. And he's who we pray to. The fifth thing he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He committed everything about him, all that he had, to God. The sixth thing he said, I thirst. Showing the agony that he had suffered on the cross. And the last thing he said, it is finished. And he died. The price had been paid. You might not understand that fully, but I tell you, I feel it right now in my heart and soul. I am no longer in debt to God because of Jesus Christ. When he said it was finished, it was over. The price had been paid. And now we all can enjoy the blessings and the benefits of God. Now, they crucified Jesus, the Bible says, the third hour. That was 9 o'clock in the morning. And he died the ninth hour, which was 3 p.m. Six hours was Jesus on the cross. I know it had to seem like an eternity to him to be nailed to a cross. But around noon, a darkness came upon the earth. No light was shining. And the Bible said then there was not an earthquake, but it said the earth quaked. That might be a translation, I don't know, but it seemed to me like it's a little bit more than just having an earthquake in Jerusalem. Sounds to me like the whole earth quaked. But something wonderful happened when he said his finish. When he died, something wonderful happened. The law was over. You know, if you were under the law today, you couldn't keep the law. There's no way to do it. Even though the law tells us how God wants us to live and try to live, but we can't live the law. Get it and read it sometimes. It'd take you a pretty good while to read it, and it'll take you forever to live it. Come on. But one of the main things that happened was that every year they had to go before a high priest who would kill an animal, take the blood, go into the Holy of Holies where the mercy seat was. And by the way, that was just on a replica of the real mercy seat. 
And that high priest would have to shed that blood and sprinkle that blood and it's just a thing of things to come. But when Jesus died, that veil of that temple was rent from top to bottom. Not bottom to top, but from top to bottom. No longer. God ripped it himself, I'm telling you. No longer would man have to go year after year because the price had been paid forever and ever. And I thank God for that today. Amen. Thank God for the mercies of God. I'm glad we don't need a high priest. Hebrews 9, 20 through 28 saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacles and all the vessels of the ministry. And, all, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Talking about sin. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in heaven should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves will uh, with better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place which was made of hands, which are the figures of the true, but into the heavenly itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this a judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I know that might have been a little confused reading to you because you got to know what the law did and what all the things they had to do. But what it simply says that Jesus done away with the law and now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And when the devil makes you slip up, come on, when the devil entices you and you sin, we have an advocate with the Father called Jesus Christ, and he goes to the Father in, my, in, in our behalf. Amen. I've often wondered what he says. Maybe it's just something like that. This, that's, that's, that's my son. Lord, that's my daughter. Man, if you're a Christian today, you're so privileged. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, you're so privileged. I don't care what you've done in the past. The blood of Jesus will take care of it. Some people, it's kind of like me. I guess if I'd lived to be 30, before God saved me, I would probably have been thinking, man, I'm going to tell you, he's got a big job on his hands. But the big job was done at Calvary by Jesus Christ. At 3 o'clock, Joseph went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And 
we know the story how he came and he, he took it down and he wrapped it in clothes and he put it in his new tomb. And I want you to know he was there for three days. Jesus himself said he would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew 12, 38 and 30 says, Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas, or Jonah. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well, Belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I, I, I want to just stop right here and state a fact. Jesus was not crucified on Friday. I know we celebrate it, but you tell me how he's going to be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights and dying on Friday and raised on Sunday. I don't know. I was very poor in math. Math and English. My wife helped me in English. I went to English class in 12th grade two periods a day. And in math, I tried my best to copy the girl next door. But as poor as I am in math, I know that Friday night and Saturday night is not three. Okay? And there's many things that I can say here and show you in the Scriptures. I can tell you, first of all, that it was the Passover and there were seven holy days, okay? And some of the Scriptures people use don't work. But here's the real thing. It doesn't matter when he was crucified. The real thing is that he was crucified and that he did die for us. You know, he told that thief on the cross, today you'll be me, you will be with me in paradise. Now, we know that his body was in the grave, but where was he? Let me say that again. His body was in the grave, but where is he? Your body is not you. Dr. K done a good job one night teaching us all this, and you ought to heard it. See, there's a spirit man and there's a soul man. And I like the way one guy read after. He said, we give him this body where we could walk around in this natural world. But I'm telling you, the real you is that spirit man. That soul. And while the body was in the grave, Jesus said he was in the heart of the earth. Now, what do you mean by the heart of the earth? I mean exactly what it says. First Peter 3, 18 and 19 said, For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened or made alive by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached into the spirits in prison. Now, let me give you a little facts. 
And I'm going to give you some scriptures. Before Jesus was resurrected, those people that died, their souls did not go to heaven. They went to a place called paradise. Some of you are looking at me real strange. But let me give you a scripture that Jesus gave us. Luke 16, 19 through 26. So there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores and desired to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, been in torment, sent Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames. Now you listen. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thy and thy lifetime receiveth the good things and Lazarus the evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great guff fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. See, there was a place in the center of this earth. We know it today as hell. And Jesus went and he preached to those souls in paradise. One part was hell, one part was paradise. Let me tell you something. The reason that souls get to go to heaven today is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you need to understand that. See, Jesus talked about Abraham to the Pharisees one day, and he said, And your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Why? Well, let's see what the book of Revelation says. 1 and 17 and 18. And when I saw him, John said, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys to hell and to death. Where did he get them? Not, not grave, but he went to the heart of the earth where Satan had souls in captivity and he took the keys to hell and death. Come on. I know it might be hard for you to understand, but maybe to get you to read your Bible and study your Bible. Did you know that many that were in the graves came out on his resurrection and was seen of many in the holy city? Listen, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. He's on the cross. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent from twain from, twain from top to bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened of many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of their graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared 
unto many, talking about Jerusalem. So, so understand that he went to the heart of the earth. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. And Peter said he preached to those prisoners that was held there captive. You said this ain't important. It's very important. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And nobody was resurrected until Jesus was resurrected. No soul went to heaven until Jesus presented them to the Father. Study your scripture. So important. Abraham desired to see that day. Why? Because Abraham knew the day that Jesus came, he would leave paradise and he would go to heaven. And I thank God that we've got the same promise today. Can you say amen? amen? Thank God. Jesus rose again. Now when we die, and if Jesus tarries, you will die, our spirit man goes directly to heaven. I thought about my wonderful granddaughter-in-law who's at her house right now and her dad is dying with cancer. That's where Jonathan is at. I saw him yesterday. I didn't see how he'd make it through today. I don't know whether he ever given up a close loved one or not, but, but it hurts. Give up a mama or dad. Some people have given up their children. But I want to tell you, there's no comfort like knowing if they are Christians that they are in heaven. Not in paradise, but in heaven. 1 Corinthians, Paul's, 1 Corinthians 15, 49 through 57, Paul said these, and as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, and we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on Im uh, immortality. And when this corruptible have, shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought the past of saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Death is a terrible thing. If you haven't experienced losing a loved one, you will. It's a terrible thing. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory over death through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He came, he died, and he rose again, and he's ascended into heaven as our high priest, and one day we'll be there with him. Hallelujah. Can we rejoice for anything any greater? 
I see men trying to be the president of the United States. They lie, they do anything, they'd, they'd kill if they thought they could get away with it. But I'm telling you, to be a saint of God is much higher position. That's a more powerful position. Not only did Jesus die on the cross and shed his blood for our sins, but he went to the heart of the earth to set captives free from Satan. This is why the word says he holds the keys to death and hell. He died. He was placed in a grave. He went where the dead was. It was held captive, and he preached deliverance to them. Let me tell you something. Abraham, our father of faith, had to accept Jesus Christ. All of them there had to accept Jesus Christ. No man can come to the Father except by me, is what Jesus said. He went and preached to them, to Elisha, Nehemiah, Isaiah, all the great names, and then untold millions. And today they're in heaven. Because of Jesus Christ, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is your victory? They don't have it anymore. But thanks be to God who gives us that victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am closing. Yes, it is a miracle. It's 1230. We don't fear death. There's an old song we used to sing when I was pastor in Adamville. We didn't sing it. We had a young lady sing it. No grave going to hold this body down. And I'm telling you, no grave is going to hold this body down because we're going to come up. <laughs> Amen. We're going to come up out of the ground. You say, well, what do you mean, Brother Langford? I mean that when Jesus comes, the Bible says he's going to bring every soul with him. And he's going to renew tonight those souls with their bodies, which will be brand new, immortal, incorruptible bodies. And then we which are alive and remain, we're going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of eye. And we're going to call, be caught up together with him to be with the Lord, and forever shall we be with the Lord. And I want to tell you today, if you're not with him, you're going to be in hell. There's no purgatory. There's nobody getting you out. He's coming. He's going to rapture us. He's going to reunite body and spirit. And we're going to become immortal, incorruptible. Why? Because Jesus came. And he paid the debt for our sins. You say, I'm, I'm not a bad person. Oh, yes, you are. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know we have a point where we talk about good people. I can tell you my dad was a good person. He was a backslider. But he's a good person. He didn't drink. He didn't smoke. He didn't allow it. 
He gave money to people, and you never knew about it unless they told you. He'd done a lot of good things, but he was lost. And I prayed and fasted as a young man, a young Christian, for his salvation. And God said to me, your daddy will be saved before he dies. I called him with tears in my eyes, crying and weeping, and I told him that. My daddy never would talk to you about the Lord. He never would say anything. He just said, that's fine, son. He ended the conversation. But at three months before he died, I went to see him. He was staying with my niece, his granddaughter. And she said, Brother Jerry, you ought to hear Papa praying in his room at night. He said, man, he is seeking God and he's praying. God is not man that he could lie. I took him, got him in my vehicle and took him for a little ride and talked to him. And I said, Dad, you know, you got to live for God. I act like I didn't know anything. He said, son, I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing everything I can. But the main thing he did, he called on Jesus. And the main thing you can do today is call on Jesus. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, what a great day to give your heart to Jesus. Every day is a great day, but today is the day we celebrate his resurrection. Stand with me if you would. Well, what do I have to do to be saved, Brother Langford? Well, you're probably like me. When my brother-in-law asked me, was I Christian? I said, no. And he said, do you want to be? And I said, Yes. People don't kind of agree with us, but I'm going to tell you, when I said yes, I felt the load of sin begin to leave my life. And I knelt and prayed on my mother-in-law's front porch. And I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. It took only a few moments, but when I stood up, I was born again. I was a new creature in Christ Jesus. Fought the devil three days. He told me, you're not saved. I told him every time he said it, I said, I am saved. But salvation comes by faith. Surrendering your heart to him. You say, I can't live it. You can't. I'll be the first one to tell you, you can't live it. But he can live it in you. That's why he put the Holy Spirit here. To lead us and guide us. You say, I may fail him. You will. Sometimes I think he allows us to fail him where we realize who we really have to depend on. That's him. 